Hey, you're listening to Jesus to Revision with Jazz and it's me, Jazz. Today we're going to be looking at physics topic 4, the last topic in the paper 1 AQA spec. And I'm just going to be doing exactly what I did with topic 3, going through everything, asking some questions to keep you engaged and just really trying to explain in depth uh, everything you need to know for topic 4 and the key concepts. So if that sounds good, keep listening. Okay, so we are doing topic four, like I said, that is atomic structure. Now, if you look into the CGP um, AQA physics revision guide, the subtopics that come under atomic structure is developing a model of the atom, isotopes, ionizing radiation, nuclear equations, half-life, background radiation, contamination, uses and risks of radiation, nuclear fission and fusion. And we're just going to go through that today. This is a kind of short topic. It's like topic three. It's one of the topics in paper one that is uh, that I think is the easiest. So we should be able to get through this quite quickly. Uh, first, I just want to give a little recap on the atom. The atom consists of the nucleus and shells. In the nucleus, there are protons and neutrons. And this is where most of the mass of the atom is concentrated. The shells or energy levels um, have electrons that orbit around the nucleus. Um, and between the nucleus and the shells is empty space. Um, atoms have neutral charges because the number of protons and the number of electrons are the same. Right, now let's get through the history of the atom. So for this little subtopic, you don't need to know everything, you just need to know the key experiments and who conducted which experiment and what they concluded from this and how this has changed the model of the atom over time. So John Dalton presented his atomic theory based on three points. That matter is consisted of atoms which are small particles uh, that cannot be created, destroyed or divided. He said that atoms of the same element are identical and atoms of different elements are different and different atoms combine together to form new substances. Then J.J. Thompson proposed a model of the atom known as the Plum Pudding Model, which is a ball of positive charge with electrons, negative charge, stuck in it. Um, so Thompson discovered the electron and made the Plum Pudding Model. Rutherford proved the plum pudding model was wrong. Uh, he conducted an experiment called the alpha particle scattering experiment where they fired positively charged alpha particles at an extremely thin sheet of gold. From the plum pudding model, they were expecting the particles to pass straight through the sheet or slightly detect defect. This was because the positive charge of the atom was thought to be very spread out through the path, throughout the pudding of the atom. Whilst most of the particles did go through, some were deflected more than expected and then a small number were deflected backwards, so the plum pudding model could not be right. So Rutherford came up with the idea to explain this new evidence. What we found from this experiment was that there is a tiny positively charged nucleus in the centre where most of the mass is concentrated and uh, most of the atom is empty space. Uh, and this is because a few particles were defected backwards and most particles passed through empty space but few were defected. 
So this particle, uh, alpha particle scattering experiment is really important. It comes up all the time, so make sure you know uh, what it was and how it helped to change the model of the atom. Niels Bohr could, um, can't speak. Niels Bohr um, discovered shells. He proposed the idea that electrons orbit the nucleus in fixed shells and aren't anywhere in between, and that each cell, each shell is a fixed distance from the nucleus. And this is the model that we use today. And then we have James Chadwick. James Chadwick discovered neutrons, um, and this provided evidence. The experiment he did provided evidence for neutral particles in the nucleus and they became known as neutrons. Now you might get a question like, why is James Chadwick's experiment crucial to our understanding of isotopes? Uh, and we're going to go through this later, but isotopes are basically atoms with the same number of protons but different number of neutrons. So if James Chadwick discovered the, uh, discovered the neutrons, he is essential as isotopes are about having different numbers of neutrons. So you might get that question. Just to gloss over, just to like kind of uh, remind you, this also comes up in chemistry, but atomic number and mass numbers, what are they? So an atomic number is the amount of protons in a atom. And because the number of protons and electrons are the same in a atom, uh, the atomic number also tells you the number of electrons. However, if they ask you what is uh, what does the atomic number represent, don't put it represents the number of electrons because you won't get marks. It represents the number of protons. Then your mass number is uh, the total mass of the nucleus. So you do total of protons and neutrons together. Uh, and the way I remember it in a periodic table, you might be taught like the mass number is a top or bottom number. But the way I remember it is um, the mass number is a massive number. So it's always the bigger number. For example, aluminium has an atomic number of 13 and a mass number of 27. Now, let's pretend that we didn't know which one was which. 27 is the bigger number and it's the massive number. So it is the mass number. That's how I remember it because different periodic tables, some of them have the mass number at the top, some of them have them at the bottom. So this way is just more easier and just more efficient. Then we have isotopes. Uh, this is also really important. An isotope is an atom with a different number of neutrons, but the same number of protons. So this definition is really important. So I'd really recommend that you um, really learn it. So I'm going to say it one more time. An isotope is an atom with a different number of neutrons but the same number of protons. So let's talk about radioactive decay now. We're already on like the third subtopic. So we're going to go through this not quickly, but I think that we'll go through it in like a good amount of time, not like ages. So Radioactive decay. So radioactive decay is a random and continuous process um, and this happens to isotopes. So some isotopes are unstable because of their large size or the number of protons and electrons, uh, protons and neutrons are not balanced. So they have an unstable nucleus. So ionize, uh, radioactive decay is because of an isotope being unstable because of its large size or the number of neutrons and protons not being balanced, so they are unstable. As a result, these isotopes would decay and this emits radiation in order to become more stable uh, and this radioactive decay is a random and continuous process. 
There are three types of radiation, alpha particles, beta particles and gamma rays. Hopefully this is um, kind of re um, helping you to remember it. You're kind of like, oh yeah, I do remember this. So alpha particles consist of two protons, uh, I can't speak, two protons and two neutrons. This is the same as a helium nucleus and they have a positive charge. Beta particles are a fast moving single electron emitted from the nucleus and gamma rays are electromagnetic energy waves. So to repeat that, alpha particles consist of two protons and two neutrons and have a positive charge. Beta particles are fast moving single electrons emitted from the nucleus and gamma rays are electromagnetic energy waves. They all have different properties. So a property you could talk about is penetration, and this is the ability of a radioactivity of a radioactive substance such as these particles to pass through materials. So basically, how deep radiation can be penetrated into an object. My voice has gone crazy. I need water. I don't know what happened. <clears> hmm. <throat> okay, we're back. We're normal, I think. Um. So for example, uh, oh my god, my voice. I need water. Give me a second. Okay. Mm, technical difficulties happening. I think we're okay now. So alpha particles have low penetration. They can only penetrate through a sheet of paper. However, beta particles have about medium penetration uh, and they can penetrate through a few millimeters of aluminium. And gamma rays have the highest penetration and they can penetrate through very thick lead. Oh no, never mind. It is absorbed by very thick lead, which is the same as penetrating through. Yeah, okay. I don't know why I went by then. Then, range in air. You can compare them to the range in air. Alpha particles can travel a few centimetres, beta particles can travel a few metres, and gamma rays can travel thousands of kilometres. Ah, my notes. It's all good, it's all good. So, let's just recap that. We have these three types of radiation three types of radiation which are alpha particles beta particles gamma rays so alpha particles are two, pro two protons and two neutrons i don't know why i keep saying two protons maybe i'm thinking of protons because i'm so damn hungry maybe beta particles are a single fast moving electron emitted from the nucleus and gamma rays are electromagnetic energy waves i think that's the definition let me just check yes it is okay um and they all have different properties and we talk about two properties in particular penetration which is the ability of radioactivity to pass through materials and range in air just means how far it can travel in the air so alpha particles have the lowest penetration and they can only travel a few centimeters Beta particles have like medium penetrations uh, and they can travel a few meters and gamma rays can travel thousands of kilometers and they have a high penetration. Right, that's all you need to know for that. Now let's talk about ionizing power. When these particles hit another atom, they knock out electrons and they ionize the atom. So like we said, uh, when an isotope is unstable because of its size or that the number of protons and neutrons is not balanced it becomes um unstable so as a result of this the isotope emits radiation 
and it emits one of the three radiations we just talked about, part not particle, alpha, beta, or gamma. Um, so when this happens, it I this is radioactive ionization. I'm just trying to explain it the best I can. But yes, this is radioactive decay. So when the particles, alpha, beta, or gamma, hit other other atoms, they knock out electrons and they ionize the atom. So alpha particles are the most ionizing, beta particles are medium ionization, and gamma particles are the least ionizing. So those are like the properties. Uh, ionizing power is another property kind of thing of um, radioactive particles. So they also have their own equations. These ones are quite hard to remember. You just kind of have to like, I don't know, you just have to remember it, I don't know. So, alpha decay. So we're gonna look through all these radioactive decays and we're gonna look at what each one does because they do different things. When an alpha particle is emitted from a nucleus, the nucleus loses two protons. So the atomic number increase, decreases by two. And the nucleus loses four particles because it loses two protons and two neutrons. So the mass number decreases by four. So basically, all you really need to do, you don't even need to remember the equations that much. All you need to remember is, okay, so let's use some common sense. If an uh, alpha particle is two protons and two neutrons, you know that it's going to take off two protons and two neutrons. So if an atom has decreased by two protons and two neutrons, that means the mass number will be mass number will decrease by four because the mass number is the protons and neutrons together uh, and the atomic number will decrease by two because two protons have been lost uh, and the equation of this is it looks complicated so basically you just need to remember that um, your x atom which has your mass number and proton number let's just say that the mass number is uh, the bottom the top number so it will be your x atom would be a minus 4 which is your mass number b is proton number oh my god this makes no sense okay so I literally cannot explain this equation because it's really hard to explain like verbally but if you go on google and you type in alpha decay equation you will understand what I'm talking about but basically the nucleus loses two protons, the and then the nucleus uh, also loses two neutrons. So you lose two protons, two neutrons, uh, so your atomic number decreases by two, the mass number decreases by four, and if you've typed in the alpha decay equation, you will see that. I'm not going to describe the equations because I literally can't, it's so hard to explain. So, beta decay. Uh, because your... Um, Mm, beta decay is just a single fast moving electron the atomic number increases by one because the number of protons in the nucleus increases um, and the total number of particles in the nucleus stays the same so the mass number does not change so the only thing that changes in a beta decay is the atomic number increases by one uh, and you will find out later on why that happens I think that is I think you don't need to know that for GCSE, but 
it just turns into a you just get an extra proton see this little bit here that's tricky because i just think it's really hard to explain if you were like sitting where i am and you're looking at my notes you would understand but i think i'm just doing a really bad job of explaining it so i'm so sorry if you don't understand what i'm saying so beta decay the number of protons in the nucleus increases by one so the atomic number increases by one and the mass number does not change okay hopefully that makes sense um oh oh no no yes there is an explanation of why the neutron changes into a proton so it is emitted when a neutron suddenly changes into a proton the electron is created to balance the positive charge of the proton the electron is created at the moment of decay not present beforehand okay that makes sense right right maybe yes no should we go through it again i think so so Beta decay emits when a neutron suddenly changes into a proton, okay? It just decides it wants to be a proton. So, an electron is created throughout beta decay because a beta, beta particle is basically just an electron. Uh, and it's created to balance the positive charge of the proton. Uh, and the electron is created at the moment of decay, not before. So, because an electron has been created... Um, The electron is just created to um, balance the charge uh, and then the proton increases by one because that's the neutron that's suddenly changed into a proton. Does that make sense? I really hope it does. Okay, now the gamma uh, gamma emission, gamma decay, gamma radioactive waves, um, there is no equation for that one. So a gamma wave is emitted from the nucleus when the nucleus needs to lose energy. So no protons or neutrons are lost from this process, so there's no equation. Right. Lovely. Next, half-lives, activity, and count rates. So what is activity? Activity is the number of unstable nuclei that decay per second. The activity of a source decreases over time as there are fewer unstable nuclei present to decay. So the reason... Uh, the number of unstable nuclei that dec decay per second decreases over time is because there's fewer unstable nuclei. Um, and half-lives. Half-life is the time it takes for half of the radioactive nuclei to decay. And the way you would figure this out is a half-life diagram. So what you do is you half the highest value of the undecayed nuclei. So for example, let's imagine that the highest value is 1,000. You half it to 500. Then you find the point where it meets the red line. And the red line is basically your actual graph. Like you would have a graph and you would have plotted points. So find the point where it meets the plotted point. So for example, if I found 500 and I see where it meets on the plotted point and I go downwards towards the x-axis and it's 4, uh, what we do is we half it again. So 500 divided by 2 is 250 and you find the you find the value on the x-axis and that's 8, let's say. Then you f half it again and that would be 125. So you find the value on the x-axis and that's 12. So then you find the pattern in the time on the x-axis. Now let's say that our, we, our numbers are 4, 8, 12. Now the pattern is it's plus 4 hours every time. So we know that 4 hours is a half-life. 
Again, I don't know if, I, if I've explained this well. Hopefully I have. If I haven't, go watch the YouTube video on half-hour diagrams. I think it's a, it's a visual question. It has a graph involved and I can't really read out a graph to you. But I've tried to explain it the best way I could. So let's talk about hazards and risks of ionising radiation. Um, mm, you have contamination and irradiation. Uh, irradiation is what is when uh, you are in the presence of a radioactive particle, and contamination is when you have a radioactive particle physically inside of you. So, an example um, of contamination. Let's say what contamination is. Let's, for example, say that you have alpha irradiation, which is the most dangerous. Uh, source of um, radioactive um, radioactive particle. I don't think I'm making sense anymore. I'm so sorry. It's literally like 10 o'clock and I can't be bothered to do anything, but let's not talk about that. Um, alpha irradiation is the most dangerous because if an alpha source is contaminated inside the body, it won't be able to get out. Um, so there was this famous magician, I think, or somebody, and they got poisoned with alpha they got alpha radiation poisoning in their drink or something so they drank uh, alpha particles and that is so dangerous because alpha particles are weakly penetrating if you remember they can only penetrate through a piece of paper a few millimeters so once you have all that alpha particles in your body they won't be able to pass through your organs and tissues and leave the body so they will stay in your body and another bad thing about our uh, alpha particles and being contaminated with it is that they're strongly ionizing so it would cause a lot of damage to cells and tissues around it because it will radioactively decay your atoms in your body and your cells so that's why they're it's the most dangerous because it, it can't get out and it has a higher ionizing power however beta and gamma are less ionizing and more penetrating so if a gamma particle enters your body it's more likely to leave the body and cause less damage to neighboring cells and tissues however it's the opposite in irradiation beta and gamma are more dangerous if they irradiate outside the body because beta and gamma are strongly penetrating and weakly ionizing so meaning they are likely to damage cells on the way in and out of the body whereas if you're irradiated with alpha um, radiation it physically cannot get into your body so you're not going to be harmed by it if there's alpha particles in the air um, and obviously not if you're like opening your mouth and like bringing alpha particles into your body but if you're like just in the presence of it you're less likely to get hurt because it won't be able to penetrate through your skin uh, however beta and gamma can penetrate through your skin and they can be potentially uh, damaging on their way in and out so uh, the alpha particles would be absorbed by dead skin cells on the surface of the skin now uses for um no let's let's go into uses later let's talk about the ways we can protect ourselves from contamination and irradiation so think about what contamination is contamination is actually having it inside your body and the way you can do that is through your mouth your nose that kind of stuff so wearing gloves is good when you're handling um radioactive substances because it's, you know once you're not physically touching and you won't like actually put it in your mouth and stuff goggles uh, is really good to protect yourself 
tongs using uh you know there's tongs not your hands lab coats and masks irradiation uh is when you are like around you want to put like a lead apron apron i just said apron lead apron you want to stay behind a lead barrier uh, and the way the reason it's lead is so that um it would stop gamma and beta particles from coming to you uh because they'll be absorbed uh, and stay away from the source and point the source away from others and yourself. So let's talk about uses of radiation. Uh, you can use them in medical traces. So um, you should not use a p alpha particle for this because alphas, alphas like alpha males, no, because alpha particles have low penetrating power and they're absorbed by organs and skin. So it cannot penetrate out of the body and alpha particles have high ionizing power. So medical traces are when you actually place a radioactive substance inside of you. So you know, you should not use it as a medical tracer because it won't be able to get out. Uh, radiotherapy is also one of the um, things you can use it for. Uh, this uses high energy short doses of gamma or x-rays um, and this high energy would kill cancer cells. Um, but it must be very specifically targeted on the area of cancer cells to prevent cell death in healthy areas. And radiotherapy leads to people feeling ill as no matter how targeted um, the treatment is, it still kills healthy cells. And we are on the last little subtopic and that is nuclear fission and nuclear fusion. So let's talk about nuclear fusion first because I feel like it is the... easiest one to explain. Nuclear fusion is when two small nuclei are fused together to release more energy than nuclear fission. So that is a definition you need to know. Think about fusion. So nuclear fusion is about the fusion of two small nuclei to release more energy than nuclear fission. And nuclear fusion happens in the stars um, and uh, the mass of the new large nucleus is not the same as the two smaller nuclei masses added together because some of the mass of the smaller nuclei is converted into energy. So energy is lost. So it's not both of them added together. It would be less because um, the energy, uh, the mass of the smaller nuclei is converted into energy. Uh, nuclear fusion is really costly and difficult to maintain because of the high temperatures needed and lots of energy is needed, which is why we don't use nuclear fusion and that's why it happens in the stars. Now, nuclear fission. Nuclear fission is how we, how power plants work. What happens is it's the splitting of nuclei to release, release energy and this occurs when a stable nucleus absorbs, is absorbed by a neutron. So, what happens is a nucleus becomes unstable because um, it's absorbed a neutron. Now this neutron makes the nucleus become unstable, so energy is released and this nucleus splits into two. And when this happens, energy is released. And then from that, two or three more neutrons are released and then that happens uh, in a cycle because those two or three neutrons then go to another nucleus and another nucleus absorbs those neutrons that have been released and it keeps going on and on. So this is why only small amounts of nuclear fuels need to be released um, or used to generate a lot of electricities.
lots of electricity, not electricities. Uh, control rods can be used to control nuclear fission in a nuclear power station by absorbing the excess neutrons so no chain reaction takes place. If it's not controlled, then this can be dangerous as it can become a chain reaction and potentially cause an explosion. So, to control this uh, chain reaction, you use control rods that absorb the excess neutrons. Uh, in a nuclear power station, fuel rods contain the nuclear fuel where energy is released, and control rods control nuclear fission, which produces heat. This boils water, which generates steam in a steam generator. The steam spins a turbine, which powers the generator. No water is wasted as there is a condenser. And we use uranium or rubidium nucleuses as they are, not nucleuses, nuclei, as they are already unstable. So, pros and cons of using this type of nuclear, uh, this type of um, energy resource, so nuclear fission. The cons, it reduces, reduces, I can't read English. I've told you so many times. I like, don't expect me to pronounce words right because my brain just does not work like that, you know. So the cons are it releases nuclear waste, which are difficult and expensive to dispose of properly. And there is always a risk of a major catastrophe, like an explosion. And that has happened before. Um, I forgot the name of the place. I don't know. Hiroshima? I think it was Hiroshima. Maybe. I'm sorry if I got it wrong. Uh, and the pros is that it generates vast amounts of energy. It's more energy dense compared to coal, which just means it produces more energy. Uh, it does not emit greenhouse gases, so it does not contribute to global warming. And guys, that is it for topic four. I'm surprised this only took me 30 minutes to do because topic three was had l much less um, subtopics in it, but I got through it in an hour, like around an hour, and this only took me half an hour and I don't know maybe it's because I was going through it quite quickly I am really tired today maybe it's that but we got through it not nevertheless nonetheless I don't know how you say it nonetheless nevertheless we still got through it that's what matters so on to the outro I guess